But it's not about what you earn. Mm. It's about what you do with your money. How do you spend it? Mm. You can have all those nice things, but ladies, get your priorities straight. It's all about, you know, aligning your values and stop looking at everyone else on Instagram. It is fake. Even my page, I put up the, you know, the nice things that are happening in the education that, but behind the scenes, shit's happening. Yeah. No one's ever lucky. I think the only lucky get in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. So I know what happens when we don't sell. You put a couple of renters in there, they're not. What, what would you charge for a rent <laughs> up there in the gizzies? Wouldn't have a clue, boys. <laughs> and it's bloody, bloody take- nice up there. I was up, up there in Woodend, drove past, and actually had a thought. I was like, I wonder when they bought the blocks. Did they buy those sites and set the block when they knew... The pandemic was like a thing. So we're talking about the block. <laughs> Just to articulate, we're talking about the block in the Gisborne. Block, the block, Daniel Sun in Gisborne. <laughs> yes. And I was in Woodend and I was driving past and I was going, oh, yeah, like this, this remote thing's a thing. Yeah. Gizzy's like 50 minutes from Melbourne, the world's most livable city. Yeah. And then when did they buy them? When did they acquire them? Did they get them good? Did they get them early? Were they like mm. yeah, part of everyone out, part of the rush? Mm. I don't want to say too much, but they did get okay. it. They got it last year. They could have got a better deal, I believe, last year. Because I've actually seen so the new blocks come out as well. Yep, Hampton East, back in Melbourne. Hampton East, we're we're down in Hampton East. So Gav and I, Gav <laughs> so- told me who buys our site. We've probably bought our last three in Hampton East, and we're like, yeah, nice. it's all happening. <laughs> we're up oh, and that's going to run it. Yeah. Correct. So you look at them. You look at the blocks. They paid big. Big dollars. They did. Yeah. Paid like two to three mil for each site, and they were like four sites. For like standard house. Sites. And how much are they going to sell them for? Which ones? The, the Hampton East ones. Hampton East. Oh, the Hampton yeah. East. They've, yeah. paid, they've paid. Oh, yeah. Look, I look. I have. They know what they're. So doing. they're going to be like, yeah, four, so. five million dollar properties by the I, end. Then, yeah. I just think. Look, I don't know. I, I don't know Hampton much about East. the market right now, but I'm thinking five big properties in Gisborne. You know, are they going to sell all in one day? Well, that, that's yeah. sort of what I'm yeah. thinking. For a, for a what's, your, what's your buyer pool like for that type of asset? And how does it work on the tally, man? We've had some auctions back in a, you know, we've been through a few up and down markets, me and PK, yeah. and we've we've thrown auctions, man, where I've literally walked up the street and it looks like tumbleweeds coming down like there's no one mm. there, man. And we go, oh, we'll go again. And, these, and same thing. Are so these what pretty happens? special though? What's yeah. the... Yeah they're, yeah, they're very different. Ten acre blocks, big houses, very yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, who knows? Only yeah. time will tell. But as I look out the the window today, I can see some green on leaves. So spring's coming. Yeah. So I'm just hoping there might be a bit of a shift out there, and hopefully we start seeing some real estate turnover because not much is turning over, is there? No. Well, except for interest rates, it's about it. Well, that's and, that, and that's and we're going to go for another two rises. So. There's a lot of lot of lot to factor in here. Even 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 the big the big broadcasters, Channel Nine, they're subject to the headwinds. Mm. So mm, we might find out a bit more about all this. I reckon. Have they? You've done you've a lot of seasons. Have they ever not sold before? Have they had? Oh, many? Yeah, yeah. There's been seasons where they haven't sold before. Well, yeah. Not all of like the handful, maybe one yeah, or two yeah. haven't sold, and yeah. then they, what sell do they, just sell later? they sell later. They sell later. Yeah. Yeah. And right. The guest goes home with. Big donor. They, if they make more later on, they'll still get that after, uh, yeah. after, you know. Okay. Yeah, they still make whatever they make. So it's still part of the deal. Still part of the, the, up, yeah. the upside. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you sell above reserve later on, they can still get. Yep. Ah. Which may have to happen this time, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, to yeah. sell five big crackers on the day. Multi, how many multi-million dollar joints do you want out in Gisborne? Yeah, like buyers out there. like a, All in one day. Skinny pool. It's all, all selling in one yeah. day. Now's the time for them though, isn't it? Yeah. Like- Versus two, three years ago. Yeah. Now's the time for this tall sort of property. Yeah. Maybe it will probably a year late, maybe, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Probably a year late. But then there's opportunities. Someone might be thinking, we might get a few bargains and they might stroll out and that's how we get the buyers. They probably bought it well. And people like to buy the block. You know, if you've got plenty of dough. It's yeah, a bit of history. Yeah. A bit of history. A bit of a head wobble. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. What's the defects list like on <laughs> <laughs> No comment. <laughs> you'll still, sort all them. Still you'll, working you'll through sort it. All them out. Still working through Probably it. Only has to worry about. <laughs> well, yeah, spot on. Like you said, Dan. Today's guest is in that world, and I know she's a big fan. Oh, what a segue, Holly! Oh. Yeah, I tried to do it earlier. <laughs> he just kept talking. He kept talking. <laughs> 
All right, guys, let's get into it. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We are the little fish, and we certainly speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. Let's get into it, guys. Today's guest is a self-confessed mortgage-broking numbers nerd who's hooked on helping women grow their wealth. Heralding from sunny Noosa Heads, boys, she made her first step towards mogul status by purchasing her first property at the ripe old age of 19. Wow. In it from the get-go. Wow. Boys, two decades later, she's a founder of Property Before Prada, a boutique mortgage-broking firm that provides easy-to-follow, jargon-free advice, masterclass programs, big thing these days, Benny, the masterclass (laughs) stuff, and corporate wellness programs. She lives by the motto, there's no harm in splurging on luxuries, but it's important to pri- prioritize the investment. investment uh, yeah. I like that. Who writes this shit? Fair enough. <laughs> and has well and truly earned her girl boss stripes. Give it up for Catherine Kath Persolia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like lasagna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Silent G. Solia. I got it. Nailed it. You nailed, nailed it, man. Nailed it. Nailed it. Welcome, Kath. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is exciting. And good little preamble there. Good segue, Dan. Yeah. Well done. Some of your best And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've got a big block fan here. Is that right? Absolutely. I love the block. Block or bed? Uh, Block or bed in my family. (laughs) (laughs) You get get the autograph later from you. (laughs) The boys are jealous I'm here. Are they? Very. I'm like, I'm meeting Dan today. And they're like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and Benny. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> no, awesome, Kath. Thanks for coming in. I'd love to start back in the school days where it all began mm. um, and ended pretty quickly by the sounds of it. But <laughs> tell us tell us about school life. Tell us what you were like. Were you ambitious? Were you a go-getter from the early age? Take us there. Yeah, look, I um, I can't say I loved school. Um, I grew up in a really religious household. So school was tough for me because we would go door knocking mm. on the weekends. So it wasn't really enjoyable because I'd get teased so badly come Monday. And it wasn't something – I mean, I did well at school – but it wasn't my thing. I was so eager just to get out and work. So the moment I turned 14 and nine months, I had my first job at a cafe and I started a, you know, a babysitting business in Noosa. And, you know, from right early on, I, my dad was dropping me down at those, you know, rich resorts down Hastings Street. <laughs> And I was babysitting, cleaning up, you know, during holiday season. And I loved it. I loved that I was making money. And that just became, not that I became more money focused, but I loved having my own little business. Mm. And, and this was when you were 14 and nine months. Yeah. So I had, I was, it's interesting because I had my little cafe job and I was earning $4.25 an hour. And then I had my side hustle, which was my babysitting business. And I made flyers and I delivered them down to all the reception offices down Hastings Street. Super cute. And I was making 20 bucks an hour on my own little business. Wow. And dad would be out the front waiting, pick me up, drop me off. He was so awesome. I'm like, why would I work for someone else for $4.25 when I can work for myself? set my own hours and I earned $20. Like it was a no brainer. So you learned from a young age that this is where it's at. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to get out of school. It wasn't, I just couldn't wait. And I, I finished school really early I, and I got out and I, I actually progressed with childcare. So, yeah. because I was making a lot of money there. So mm. I thought, you know, I'll go on that journey. And, and I did continue to study. So it's not like I pulled out and did nothing. Yeah. I did continue to study. But my thing was, I, I wanted my own business. Yeah. I wanted to make my, I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to make my own hours. Mm. And, you know, it just went from there, from getting out of school at a, a really young age and then being passionate about, I don't know what it is. I thought it was kids. And then I found life after childcare and I'm like, right, I'm done with kids and I just 
you know, moved on to the next thing. So you're really just chasing business by the sounds mm. of it at a young age. I mean, you don't know what you want to do at that age. No. I knew that right. I wanted to run my own show, yeah. but I didn't know what it was. I thought it was kids. <clears throat> now yeah. I couldn't stand working with them. Yeah. I've got two of my own. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm like, well, you know, and I think that when you're young, you're kind of figuring it out and you don't need to know everything when you're young. And, you know, asking kids what do they want to do when they grow up. I didn't find my thing until I was 24, 25 that I really gelled with. Mm, It's a journey. Yeah. And just trying things. Yeah. And you know what? I fell into my business. I didn't, I failed maths. Hell, I didn't finish school. Like, you know, and and that's the thing. Like I, I'm a mortgage broker and I'm surrounded by numbers all day long. But I failed maths. Yeah. You know, so it's not about, oh, my goodness, I love Excel. I hate Excel. Yeah. We don't like each other. That's not (laughs) me. I'm a visual person, you know. But taking it back a step, you know, and and looking at the different businesses that I've had prior to getting into mortgage broking, I found my thing because I'm passionate about property. I love building wealth. I love helping others Mm. on their journey. And mortgage broking is not about, you know, um, being good, you know, with maths. Mm, It's about, you know, providing solutions for your clients. And that's, you know, Mm. what I love. And I fell into it. I was about to buy my second property by the time I was 21. And my mortgage broker, you know, came to me and said, look, you know, why don't you become a mortgage broker? So literally that's how it came about. I was I was looking at further investing or buying a, a coffee business or whatever. I've always had that that mindset mm. of business. Yeah. I grew up in a business, family-owned business. That was always normal to me. I grew up with mum and dad that were, you know, Small business for they had it for like what was their yeah years. what was their business yeah insurance broking <laughs> so yeah, you know yeah. so I had that that was normal for me yeah I had that from day dot yep. mum and dad running that and customer service was the biggest thing yeah which is a, you might have answered my question I'm thinking. How would a parent let their kid quit school at 14 mm. years and nine months and start their own business? How, mm. To have parents to back you to do that, that's – did they back you, I guess, is the first question and then how good are them to, to actually back you? Yeah, so number one, absolutely. They, they backed did. me. But saying that, it wasn't – with the religion – it, they Which religion, just out of curiosity? Jehovah's Witness. Okay, cool. Yep. So they didn't – They're the ones that walked around. Mm. Yeah, knocked on the doors. It wasn't something that they would encourage further education because they encouraged you to preach. Yeah. So leaving school like at year 10, that was normal. So I really wasn't – Yeah. It wasn't that, I guess, abnormal, you know. Yeah, gotcha. And mum and dad, you know, dad was a minister and and – yeah, they would have loved that I continued on with school, but it wasn't a biggie. Mm. And they, I was just like this little go-getter. Like no one could stop me. <laughs> and I don't know how my parents would have tried to stop me. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you take can you take us back to that nineteen year old that bought the first property? Because I guess that's that was the and beginning. where was it? Yeah, where yeah. was it? And what yeah. made you think that you should buy a property oh, yeah. at nineteen? A and B. How does how does one yeah fund a property? And then to double back over, you, you were saying by twenty one you were looking to invest in something. So you were obviously doing pretty well. Yep. You had the first property. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so take us through that little transition journey on how it came about and what the mindset was and all that. I just thought it was normal. Like, seriously, like, I thought buying a property was normal. Like, we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have social media. So, it wasn't like I was being distracted by girls and handbags and trying to keep up appearances and all that. There was none of that. I thought I loved property. I love what mum and dad, like, they were so humble people. They were not wealthy property tycoons, but mum and dad would buy a property, they'd do it up, they'd sell it, they'd make really good money. Mm-hmm. And I could see that that's how they were, although they had a modest lifestyle, they preached a lot, um, and but they were still very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if I could do that on the side and if I've got my daytime job because I, I went in between having businesses and then 
selling businesses and then working for somebody else, I thought that's a great way for me to flip properties. Yeah. You know, so I had that mindset that if I buy a shitty property, I renovate it, I can sell it and make a chunk of money. So that was where I was coming from. So was it a flipper at 19? So when you bought the one at 19, that the idea, so the flip, so when you were 21 looking to go again, that's on the back of that first one. That's, yeah. That's awesome. It was, and again, it was, that was normal. I just didn't question myself back then. <laughs> Probably should have a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I did make very big mistakes, but I learned from them and I'm still glad I jumped in and I was all gung-ho and I don't regret that being so enthusiastic, I wasn't fearful. Back then, we had no first homeowner grants. Yeah. Like now, everything's being thrown at us mm. from the government. I paid full stamps, no mortgage insurance. You saved a 20% deposit. Now, I saved my 20% deposit because mm. I had I worked that hard, mm. but I enjoyed it. It's not like I felt like I was sacrificing. And I think the big thing this these days is – People aren't prepared to give up or sacrifice. Yeah. Smash Davo on a weekend. That's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they're buying. So that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's a gag that I always use. Kath, what? Like, I'm just trying to understand, like, the drive, the energy, and something I've been, you know, uh, I'm a Geelong supporter, and Joel Salwood's just retired. And they talk about leadership and leaders, and it sounds like you've got these qualities from what I'm hearing. Are we born, are you born with these qualities or is it something that you can build and grow on? Like where's it all come from? I've always been driven. I've always been very motivated. Um, I'm, yeah, my husband says that I'm exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) My wife says that as well. (laughs) Like can you just sit down? Yeah, yeah. I like to have projects. I like to to set goals. I'm very much a planner. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be in a position where I'm financially independent. Yeah. That has always been my driver from a very young age. And I all I never want to be in a position where I am stuck. I can't leave. I I was in a very bad position when I was 17. Um, which got me on a plane to never return for quite some time um, to Noosa. And it all came down to at the time I did not have enough money to leave a situation Mm. and that's always been so important to me and has been my driving force to be self-sufficient and not rely on anyone. So there's a few things there that have, I guess, have led me to where I am today. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I might be exhausting, but I've got big goals. Yeah. Mm. Really big goals. Yeah. I think that can often happen. There's like a driver there. There's like Mm. a, there's like a something that's happened, whatever it is. And Mm. it's like, I never want to be in that position again. And that's potentially what's, what's propelling and driving you to make sure that if that was to happen again, I'd be in a situation where I could sort it out. And it's so important. And I guess that also is why I'm so passionate about helping women who have been through, I've had a, an inkling of maybe what some women have lived through for 20 years mm. with domestic violence. And I, you know, I'm, I know that I went through this at 17. My parents got me out of a really bad situation that I was becoming very accustomed to. Mm. And I stayed in it a lot longer because of not having my own money. Mm. So I think that that really, that's my why and in why I am passionate with women, especially mm. to help them become financially independent. Mm. So you're not in a position where you can't afford to leave. So there's always that driver um, the, that's always propelled me. Yeah. But in general, I think I'm just a, you know, <laughs> one of those people that just goes, goes, goes. Yeah. And I can, and I actually function better when I'm juggling like five different projects. Yeah. I really am. Hustling. So 24, 
you're speaking to a mortgage broker and they said you should be a mortgage broker. <laughs> so you took that advice on. Oh, no, did you say, you took it do you need seriously. maths? <laughs> <laughs> I failed maths, can I still do it? But Am probably, I good? <laughs> that's probably not, yeah, just having a crack at it and going, you know what, I failed maths, but I'm still going to do this. Yeah. Oh, look, I've always believed in myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think when you're young too, you kind of give anything a crack. Like mm. now... I d- I've had my birthday this week. I just turned 44 and I am so much more careful with the decisions I make. There's a lot riding on things. Mm, yeah. You, you know, I don't just, you know, jump into something. It's a lot more calculated, yeah. a lot more research. I feel like when I was 21, I just had balls to do anything. Yeah. I felt like I was unstoppable I made some good decisions. I made some really bad decisions. Well, it's probably like, consequ- like less consequence, you know, because there's less Nothing commitment. To lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's there's the worst that can happen. Less commitment or responsibilities now. You've got a family. You've got people that sort of rely on you. So the consequences are higher. And as they get higher, you need to be, you need to be a little bit more careful, I suppose. And if you fuck up, I swear, like I. You know, I don't. I don't want to work until I'm sixty. Yeah, it's a. It 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 is a lot different than when you're making those mistakes as a twenty year old. You've got a lot of time to recover. Yeah, yeah. spot on. Happy birthday, Kath. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they were going to let that one slide past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, then what drew you to being a mortgage broker? Because, like, for me, it just sounds. I, I I really respect them because I wouldn't be in my position without our mortgage <laughs> you broker. You don't go, no. <laughs> but at, you know, as a, at what twenty four, wouldn't it be a bit boring? Like, I'm your high energy and you know, go getter, flipping yeah. houses. Yeah. What made you do that jump? I loved it. I didn't even really know. I mean, my first mortgage broker I used when obviously um, I was, you know, well, 24 when I approached them. But I love what they did and what they helped people do. Mm. And that's the fun part. It's not about the numbers or, you know, for me. The numbers, the borrowing, the LBR, all that. Not the acronyms. It's all about, well, how can you help someone? And that for me was exciting because it kind of went hand in hand with property, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Love property, love building, you know, get out of stilettos and put me in steel caps any day. That that would be my ultimate. Yeah. But it's a vehicle to help people grow their wealth and achieve their dreams. So that was what was exciting for me, not riding alone. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. And that's what and that's doing the research and looking up your business and that sort of thing. That's what it looks like. It's like you got this mortgage broking play there in the background but the facade is this i guess much bigger purpose as well yeah that, like that, a lifestyle yeah, yeah lifestyle yeah. helping people just, just just a bigger purpose partnering than, on a journey yeah. purpose than just writing lines do you need money yeah mm. <laughs> and it's not a transaction and that's the thing that's it's, a good way to put it it's yeah. just yeah. not a transaction i mean we're dealing with people's lives their yeah. family they're trying to either create wealth for themselves provide a a future for their family. So there's a lot more involved or you're helping people rebuild their lives that have gone yeah. through, you know, tragedy. There's mm. so many things there that we're helping and it's very emotional. You know, mortgage broking is not just tick and flick numbers, you know, computer says yes or no. Yeah. Like the anxiety that goes along with it. And my husband's like, you know, you make you give me anxiety, like because I I'm so invested in my clients, and basically I'm taking them to bed every night when I'm thinking about you know the outcome of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. It's it's very full. Yeah, on. the difference between being able to get the money for them versus not, or mm. whatever that might look like, the ramifications on that are huge. I mean, people fall in love with these properties, or you know, <laughs> there, there's so much that it's it's, it's it's a roof over their family's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the. Uh- the business property before Prada, which is the business now, mm-hmm. was uh, the brokering, was that when you launched your first brokering business, I'm assuming I'm making a big assumption here, it wasn't property for Parada and you were probably going to the full market, male and female. Is that right? So mm-hmm. I guess my question is, um, yeah, well, that's a gutsy move, right? Like you cut it. I can hear PK like when we make business, you go, you're cutting out half the market just like like that. But I can see value because it sort of separates you in the market as well. Can you tell us a little bit of, yeah, about that mindset mm. and uh, how nervous and I guess it seems to have panned out, but it, 
Has there been any negatives and – well, I guess what are the negatives and positives yeah. of doing something like that? Yeah, look, and it, it, when you look at the brand name, absolutely, that is the first thing that comes to mind. And when I said to my accountant, I'm renaming my business. What, what to, were you called just out of Well, I was part of the loan market group. Okay. So, they're our aggregator. Mm. I began with Aussie Mortgage Market because Aussie – he was my broker at the time and I joined Aussie Mortgage uh, market at the time. And then I moved out and I followed my current aggregator at the time. Now, you know, my accountant's like, Kath, <laughs> what, you're not going to deal with men anymore? And I've got thousands of clients and, and reality is absolutely not. It, I help men and women and the database my database of clients would be 50-50. Even now, so it is. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So I'm definitely marketing heavily on Instagram and social media to really help educate women in particular. That's where women hang out, you know, and I'm I'm trying to educate by my videos and my programs and my masterclasses and that's definitely a target market for for me. Hmm. But I had 17 years prior of – a generic branded business and of 50-50 male and female clients. It's really only in the past few years that I've changed my branding because I wanted to niche and I'm happy to niche and go, look, I want to educate those particular women. But, you know, even right now, I, it would still be 50-50. And there was a message behind that brand. And when I rebranded, I didn't want to be generic. Mm. Yeah. You know. I, Don't be better. Be be different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And it's like I've got a story. It takes balls to be different as well. It does. And I think, you know, it, for me, I've got a story. I wanted to educate women mm. to, you know, they can have the Prada and the Gucci and whatever – but get yourself set up first. Mm, yeah. You know, you don't need a, a man's not a financial plan. Like I'm, I go by that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm very passionate that yes. you can make your own way. Yeah. Like we're yeah. all about equal Being pay independent. and all that. Yeah. Like yeah. back yourself. Yeah. Don't wait for that moment. You know, I did it on a $45,000 income. Yes, the purchase price was a lot less. But it's not about what you earn. Mm. It's about what you do with your money. How do you spend it? Mm. So it's there was I thought that I could add value yeah. by sharing my story. You can have all those nice things, but ladies, get your priorities straight. Yeah. And is that does that drive a little bit from your passion and your past as well? You're like, you know what, girls? Forget the niceties, get yourself in order. So you're self-sufficient first and foremost and then maybe enjoy yourself a bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, everyone says, oh, do you own Prada? Yes, I've got a Prada bag, okay? I do (laughs) now. Is it a real one? (laughs) You know what? I bought it secondhand. (laughs) I could not not bear the the thought of spending $4,500 on a bag. Yeah, that's right. The property come before the Prada. I had 15 properties before I bought my Prada bag, literally, and hand on heart. Like, I've... I've never been that way inclined and it's all about, you know, aligning your values and stop looking at everyone else on Instagram. It Mm. is fake. Even my page, I put up the, you know, the nice things that are happening in the education that, but behind the scenes, shit's happening. Yeah. 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 You know, but, you know, the superficial and the the quick, um, you know, instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to, you know, re-educate. Yeah, do the yards, mm-hmm. save the money. Sacrifice. Is, is yeah, the generations sacrifice. changing as well? Like are the younger people coming through, are they, are they different to how we are? Mm-hmm. But is it, yeah, do they, they want everything now, but are they more educated than what we were? Oh, I think they are yeah. because I think there's so much more information that's available Yeah, the way free. that information's being shared yeah. these days, definitely. So, uh, But are they utilising that ed- education, that knowledge more than what we did? I, I think that they are, but they're still not prepared to make the sacrifices. Okay, it's about, yeah. They, yeah, can't, they and- can't sacrifice the Instagram page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you got all these different factors playing off against each other, I suppose, then. New outfit, you know, yeah. it's on the gram, you've got a new outfit, new <laughs> yeah. bag, new this, new that, and that's actually sending some people into bigger debt. Yeah. 
you know, and it's like it shouldn't be like that, you know. And when I run my masterclasses and I have girls and, you know, it, it's absolutely not having a dig. Um, but when young women are turning up in the latest Louis Vuitton yeah. or Yves Saint Laurent bags <laughs> and living at home with mum and dad, by the way, I think that's amazing thing to do. But to save that money mm. rather than, you know, putting that money into, you know, your next purchase. Yeah. And that's where I think that there needs to be more education. I think, you know, in and speaking, you know, as a for in particular young people just don't think it's achievable, but it is. Male or female, you can do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. They've got bigger opportunities than what we have. I'd say the generation now, there's so much more opportunity out there. And it's not just in, in the real estate market. There's there's so many more markets now that they can well, the get internet, financial man, gain internet, from. Internet, e-commerce yeah. and stuff is like, just insane. You're setting up all different businesses yeah. online. It doesn't have to be property. Yeah. It could be mm. investing in all t- all types of asset classes. Mm. You know, you, it's amazing. Have you got any other interests outside of property? You, you sound like you've been pretty astute with the uh, funds <laughs> over the years. So, what you, you know is there? I guess uh, the stock market, mm. cryptos, and or, or watches, or yeah, yeah what, what else? Stamps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So definitely, I was. We were late to the market with shares. You know, where we've been doing my husband and I quite a lot of shares in the past. Oh, ten years. Mm really well um and that's been very very helpful um especially when we've been building our last house and and not borrowing as much money so we've done really well so definitely shares um we've winged it a little bit but again we're still trying to you know going back to the research and what is available on the Mm. market you can do some very good research now and not have to and I'm not saying go out and you know don't seek the advice of a financial planner but there are some really good reports that you can follow to help and guide you and even if it's small amounts of investing you can get in you know jump in there's different platforms that I don't use but clients do for small investing like spaceships and raise great return on investment Mm. um and then my most recent uh, investing, um, suck and see, suck and see, I say, uh, number plates. Yes. Number plates? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I had a yeah. What? I had a mate just <laughs> he trying to sell me number plate just recently. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So, what is, so tell us. I just, I just saw a Ferrari <laughs> across the road drive in and it was 81. And yeah. like that's worth if a lot of money. If that's a Victorian that's probably worth more plate, than the car. Not wood, and my number plate's worth more than my car. Yeah, <laughs> fair dink of talk. To, I need to hear some more about yeah. these number I'll plates. Give, What's going I'll on? I'll give you one example. Yeah, G E E L twenty two. My mate bought for one hundred and twenty dollars. Geelong twenty two premiers. He's already got offered four to five grand. He's holding off. G E E L twenty two. Yeah, right. He's rolled the dice. One hundred and fifty. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, and I don't know enough about it. So, we've only got one. Um, we've only got you one. Shout out, which one? <laughs> what are we running? It's oh, a yeah. Queensland plate. Yeah. So, I can't even put it on my car. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, but, but it wasn't available in Victoria. No. Uh, we bought it from someone in Victoria uh, and we gotcha. had to go to Queensland. But, and but, but the Vic one. Yeah. So, the Vic one. It? Yeah. So, I've only got one. So, it's yeah. Queensland yeah. and it's in our safe. Um, not that it needs to be in a safe. You can steal it and I still own it. How crazy is that? Um, Must be a big safe. <laughs> anyway, it, it doesn't need to be in a safe. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of number plays. It yeah. doesn't need to be in a safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll always own it. Um, but, yeah, we had to go to Queensland and register it and all that kind of stuff because there's in each state there's a whole lot of different requirements. Now, I'm definitely no expert mm. on this. We've bought the first one, 120 grand. That's why. That's what you paid, or your salary. You bought a number plate for one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Told you it was more expensive than my car. Yeah. Wow. And so, and and so, what's, what's so we don't we don't need to hear the number plate because that might be a bit deep. Oh, but like, I actually what, don't know what it is. Anyway. What, what sort of is? Are we talking like is it a limited low, edition low, low number? Is that yes. what we're chasing? It's a it's a three digit. It's a three-digit Queensland lower, yeah. And and it's a number, so it's a numbers game. So you get those low numbers there. Even Uh, like like the eights, the eights are, you know. It's a lucky number. Mm. Lucky number. Threes or eights. Yeah. Like a Victorian number 81, I think that would probably go for maybe – 400 maybe being the two digits pretty yeah, solid yeah it's yeah what? anything two digits anything <laughs> like wa number two two million wow now i'm no expert don't trust yeah. me i could lose yeah. all my money here 
<laughs> Everyone's so what, starting to buy the, number plates now. Everyone. So, what's the plan to stay in the safe for how long? What, what What's the initial plan for it to um, when mature? The, when the floor goes up. The, then, when the floor, yeah. When the how long? Yeah, the mature. That's it. I think they've. Um, I I think minimum twelve months until we need to sell it. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a set and forget. Yeah. Yeah. That's Piece crazy. Of history. But I need to. I need to do more research, and I've tried to do much, so much research on this, and I've got a lot of questions myself, and that's what I think. You know, when you're doing something, and this that's a significant risk yeah. that we've just jumped in and bought. <laughs> um, but we do have a lot of contacts that do a lot of this kind of trading. So we didn't go into it blindly. Yeah. And already we could sell it for about 135 like the following week. Right, yeah. You know, but, you know, next week it could be different. It's high risk what we're doing. Um, and I want to know more about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the risk bit. I reckon it's pretty safe. Mm, not, you well, know, I don't like, know. Su- su- supply demand. Mm-hmm. They're not printing any more of them. They're heritage. Well, yeah, they're limited. The yeah, limit is limited. Yeah, Three digits. Mm-hmm. Population grows. And rich people, people stop driving cars. And men, but and rich people like unique things, they don't like they? Like it's just the way, way it scarcity. is. Scarcity. Scarcity. They like yeah. a lot of money. There's a status symbol apparently about sure. having these. Plates 100%. on your car. Yeah, because once you've, like you said, you saw the, what was the car? I actually saw that as well. 81, yeah. Yeah, so there's the car as the flex. Yeah. But the dude that's got the car yeah. and the number plate, <laughs> double flexing, you know what there, I mean? There's Instagram pages that follow like- Just the single digit. The, yeah. All the plates. And it's, it's funny, like they put like a number, let's call it 18 on a Toyota Camry. Mm. And that seriously is like a $250,000 plate on a $20,000 car. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious, yeah, you know? Correct. Hey, Kath, let's, um, you know, digress a bit. Like you started your business, talk about the days starting your business, getting it off the ground because- by the look of it, you've done a really good job of getting yourself out there, being different, finding your niche, mm-hmm. doing all that sort of stuff to appeal to people and build that trust. Like mm-hmm. anyone who's building a business and selling to people, you need to build that trust. They need to like you. They need to engage. They need to go, hey, I want to do business with this lady. No one wants to be first. No one wants to be first. And you're in a marketplace like it's, like it's saturated. You know, like it's not as if you're first to market. Like a lot of mortgage brokers out there, a lot of relationships already built and plugged in. Mm-hmm. How did you as a business owner and starting up, how did you cut through? How wow. did you get your first, second, 20th client? Cracking you know? question, Peter. It is a good mm. question. And I feel like this has, this might attitude has set me up for, you know, what the business has become. So when I got into the industry, there wasn't many females. Mm. It was predominantly um, male uh, in the office at Aussie in Collins Street. And I remember getting in that office at 6am, working my ass off. I They would give me a lead. It was all they would, Aussie would give me leads. So yep. that's number one. I, I, at the time I didn't have to go out and yep. find my own lead. Yep. So I would get the leads and I would look after them like they were gold. Mm. Even if they told me to piss off or whatever, I would look after them. And then I would go and I would ask my manager at Aussie to give me all their dead leads. So anyone that they said was dead, Mm. no loan. Now, I would lock myself in the boardroom. I had no backup. Like, I needed this money. I was growing a business. Mm. I didn't have any other option there. Mm. And I would lock myself in the boardroom and make one phone call after another after another and look at these as opportunities. Yeah. One in ten would say, yeah, okay, um, you know, yep, not not a problem, I'll speak to you. Then I would get hung up on, you never called me, blah, blah, blah. You know, I would the rejection mm-hmm. was massive mm-hmm. and I'm like, I just kept going down that list. And I would always think, you know, Lo- the the loan sizes were so small back then, you know, and probably average loan sizes was say two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So we were working really hard, and it wasn't a huge amount of money. But one thing that I've always uh, it's been with me since day dot, and I I've got a team now that I make sure that you know I really impress upon them the importance of looking after the customer, treating them the same as though mm. it's. A, if it's a $100,000 deal versus $1 million, you never, ever count your commissions. Mm. 
customers number one, commissions number two. Mm. You, if you get that around the wrong way, yeah. you're not going to be very long in this business. So my attitude was I will help every single customer. I needed to. I'm growing a business. There was no Instagram, no social media. I didn't have the outlet to mm. build my business like I do now. Now it's completely different. Yeah. People can get to know me. But in the beginning, I was some little blonde chick that the boys in the office used to say I would use my sexuality. Fuck that. Mm. I did not once. I was I was so good at what I did. And for them to say that about me, I was so so offended but you know what it made me work even harder and smash the board I used to love that my name was right up the top and those boys were like <laughs> after me mm-hmm. I was doing things right mm-hmm. I was modest in the way I dressed I started wearing glasses and I'm not even didn't even need them because <laughs> I thought it would make me look smarter because I thought maybe yeah. I look too dumb yeah yeah but I'm a smart girl yeah but these are the things that I mm-hmm. thought that I had to do because you were just starting out and you needed yeah. to rock and roll yeah. and I needed Fake it till you make it type stuff. Absolutely. We've all been there. Like you got to. But when your colleagues are also saying, you yeah. know, oh, what are you doing? Because like I was kicking goals, but mm. I was working hard. Yeah, yeah. You like know? we, yeah. I just think back then we 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 weren't working then, but I could imagine what it was like with the males who were the predominant dominant dominant people in the industry. It was hard. This is young, their, their egos coming. Yeah, go getter. What is they, she doing? They like, probably yeah. felt a bit um, under pressure. Their egos. Yeah. Under pressure. Taking a hit. Did, did, take us back to, um, I was just thinking, was there a time when you, you, you wrote, you, I imagine you had some smaller customers or, or wrote some smaller loans in the beginning. Was there a moment where you wrote a, you know, a significant loan that was a life-changing loan that sort of made you go, I got this. This is like, a, it was the springboard in to give you the confidence and to really blow the business up. I've never really focused on loan sizes. Um our industry is 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 really tough and those big loan sizes generally like the big ones like at the moment a million dollars is pretty standard mm. at the moment um but i still treat the 300 the same as the million or the 100 like there's not been nothing there that i've gone oh my god i just like you can make a lot of money in breaking but i've never focused on the 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 big loan size and the big amount. So when you ask me that question, I can't think of a time when I got, I'm more about when I get that text from that first home buyer or the, the mum that's gone through a separation and now just got into the market to buy and for her child and get a roof over their head, that, that text message that says you've changed my life, mm. that far outweighs any big loan size that I, you know, there's no comparison when you get a beautiful message like that, nothing compares. Mm, no absolutely. big loan amount. What, um, if I'll have another crack, I might rephrase it. What, what was there a time when you got to a point and you went, I'm writing enough loans for this to be a proper viable business. I can now take money point. out of the business. A turning point of, hey, this is like the big wheels turned. And it's and it's happening. I've got traction. I'm live. I'm running. You know when when did that happen? Well, it was within the first year of broking. I yeah. was writing so much, you know, business. And when you want to scale up, then becomes the scary thing, putting on staff. <laughs> yeah. And I did that within twelve months. And it's such a big fear, like managing people. You know, it's not always the fun thing. Like you know, to to be. Boss, I do love leading. I mentor brokers at the moment. I absolutely enjoy it, but it's very scary. Mm. When you're starting out, there's only one way to scale. There's only so many hours in the day. I had a business coach back then who basically looked at my P&Ls, looked at what I was writing, the business, and she's like, well, how are you, this is not sustainable. How are you going to grow? What mm. do you need to do? Yeah. And, and you know, making that leap, is really scary for, for small businesses. Is that entrusting others, you know, by making those phone calls and trying to close those deals? Like you're the one that's done that and done that so well. Um, is it plugging people in? Is is that a anxious moment putting those people in that are, you know, they're 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 representing you and you've got to trust them to 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 do to do right by you. Absolutely. And and for me and, and the business at the moment, it's hiring the back end staff that can support you and give your clients the same love as you do. Mm. And making sure their experience through to settlement 
is a good one. Mm. Yeah, like last week we sort of spoke about culture as well. So in those early days when you set up your business, did you have core values straight away? And then did you know how you wanted to build the culture within your company? Absolutely. And culture is is everything. everything. And it goes back to, you know, putting your customer number one. And I've, you know, had brokers with me and who have left me um, over the past years and, you know. And that's okay. Absolutely. But I go with my gut now when I'm hiring and, you know, and we spoke about this on the phone the other day, Pete, you know, the, the old saying, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Um, and I really trust my gut more than anything. And and if I know that my team and my brokers are customer-centric, forget the money, it comes. Yeah. That culture and being able to be on the same page is fundamental. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're all remote. So we're not in the same room that we can vibe off each other. And, you know, we've, yeah. it's, it's quite tricky to navigate. How do you create a culture when mm. you're not together? Mm. That's one of the biggest and hardest things. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think those values that you were just talking about, the fact that you went in there and got in there at 6am and grinded and put the customer first and found success that way, has that helped you then be able to lead a team? Absolutely. Hmm. And really give, I, I guess, back them up. And, you know, there's a wealth of knowledge, you know, 20 years of doing hmm. what I'm doing. Um, it can get really tiring and exhausting <laughs> and, you know, burnout and anxiety and yeah. especially during COVID, um, you know, but being able to support them. You first, you know, when you're starting a business, it's not easy and you have to put in those hard yards. It's And I'm, you know, whenever I bring someone new into the business in, in terms of broking, I'm up front. Mm. You might have to work 60 hours a week, probably. Mm. I worked 80, you probably have to work 60 to 80. It's, it's, it's a hard grind. Mm. And be prepared to work because if you don't, well, you know, it might not be the right thing for you. Yeah, got to put in the time. You do put in the hours you just mentioned COVID then mm. we speak to a lot of people now that we're sort of post-COVID I suppose like the world was going to end <laughs> you know <laughs> the world was going to end what was it like what was it like for you I remember our good friend Olivia Carr she spoke about mm. COVID and how you know you know she was going off a cliff and all this sort of stuff like what was it what was it like for you what did you see what did you do yeah oh, I'm with Olivia um, <laughs> I tell you what hardest thing like when your business is all around property yeah and there's no open for inspections like my I I we just moved out of our house we just knocked down our home we were now in a little pissy townhouse and we had to, my husband had to run his business, well, you know, show up for work. I had to run my business and I had to homeschool two kids in a three-bedroom, one-living-area house. It was, so on a personal level, very uncomfortable. Mm. I, I don't think, you know, I got anxiety. Mm. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever been so stressed out in my life. Then on top of that, Personal is is really difficult. I've got children with learning difficulties that I had to navigate and manage and teach. I'm not a teacher. Oh, it was tough. Mm. Then you've got business. My business is all around financing property and people can't buy property because they can't inspect. Mm. I, I lost it. So I took my kids out of private school. Wow. Yeah, I made some bold. And was that quick? Like absolutely. Yeah, awesome. I, yeah, yeah, spot on. So the thought to the uh, act. What? What are we talking? Oh, about? a week. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm. I'm. You know, I manage the finances of the house. I did not want to be in a position that my kids are in private school and I can't pay my bills because mm. all I can see is pandemic was closing everything. Yeah. So I made some very big decisions, <laughs> and it caused. A lot of grief in my family. My kids did not want to leave their school. My husband thought I was overreacting. And there was a lot of arguments, a lot of tears, and we did it. Mm. So fast forward the 12 months and we got them back into school. <laughs> like business was crazy amazing. It didn't happen what I thought would happen. I don't regret for a moment I made those decisions. Well, prepare for the worst. 
Hope for the best. Absolutely. Mm. I'm, I didn't want to be sitting there on the sidelines going, oh, my God, we've got mortgages to pay. We've got half a house built. We're screwed. But yeah. you're paying a premium as well. At the, I'm just thinking like that year that they didn't go to private school was really just in the bedroom next door, right? Like they weren't actually going to school because I was yep. closed down. So you're paying yeah. this crazy amount of money. <laughs> to sit in the same bedroom, you go, you know what? They're going to stay in that bedroom, but I'm going to go to this school and we're going to run through these guys. And you know what? There's so many things that happened in yeah. that 12 yeah. months. And, you know, for our family, <laughs> it was tough like it was for so many other families. Mm. The emotional, you know, damage that was done, mm. but the growth. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like what I learned about myself, about my family, about my children, about my Business. The connection with your family. I felt like the connection brought everyone loose around yeah. the drones, brought us all nice and close. Mm. You know, and understanding the boys, you know, my, my two little boys, it was just incredible. So I'm glad I made the decision even though I didn't need to, mm -hmm. but I wasn't, I'm not the kind of, I need, I'm a control freak. I don't like not being in control. I didn't want somebody else <laughs> saying, you know, coming to me and I couldn't, you know, pay something or, you know, yeah. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to cut this off. I'm making the decision now. I, I don't, I don't know what the future holds. Cause that's a, that's a huge move. Like that's put the pride in the back pocket, mm. put it in the back seat and rock up to the principal's office and say, we're out. We're going to the school down the road. I was, and even your friends, even mm. your, your friendship circles down yeah. there, you know, like it's it's a big move. Like the, the fact, like, you know, that's real leadership, the people that can make the tough calls in the tough times and not just sort of like sweep it under the rug, unpopular mm. decisions. And yeah. still own it, even though yeah. that it didn't go that way, still truly believe, which it sounds like from the outside looking in, that it was the right decision. Like you, it's, know, you do what's It's a good right. decision, yeah. Mm. I agree. And sometimes those hard decisions, I'm happy to make them. Yeah. I... You know, my husband absolutely questioned me, but now he looks back and he goes, best decision we yeah. made. Because not only that, there's a bit of a snowball effect that our children actually appreciate now the school uh, that, they go, mm. that mm. they go to. It's not a given. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. Mm. We work really hard. Homework or you're going back to the other absolutely. one? Absolutely. <laughs> it's like we, there's no old money here. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no parents, grandparents that are paying school fees. This is we're working really hard. Yeah. So there's... It was actually really good for for a couple of different reasons. I mm. don't regret it. Didn't need to, but do not regret it. Mm. That's yeah. good. Do, it. do you feel like there could be a bit of a um, COVID hangover coming? Like I know in our industry, construction industry, we boomed as well through COVID. But we can now see the cliff coming. We can see that the permits aren't coming through. The designers, the architects aren't getting the inquiries. So we know next year. So it starts with the money, right? The yeah. workload's going to die right off. Is this, are you guys seeing something similar? It's interesting you say this. I I think going back and how I viewed COVID, thinking the world's going to fall in and the opposite happened. Yeah. What's happening now with interest rate rises and inflation, we're in for a... Mm -hmm. Turbulent. It, absolutely. Is that because they tried to overcorrect when they were stimulating the economy through when it was all going bad, so they kept it all sort of I ticking along and I now- think it's inflation, like people were spending way too much. Yeah. That's, they, and they've gone from spending nothing to- they've, and, and people actually saved so, so much. much money. Yeah, I think there's $90 billion that goes to international travel that stayed in Australia for mm -hmm. two years running. There's 180, you know, Bill, yeah. but, you know, money that people spent, which is now inflation, which is why we have to raise interest. And then you've got all the 2% interest rate loans. We're fixed for four years that'll be running off and oh. their interest rates will be 5% plus when they come out in another year. There's a lot happening that's quite scary and mm. it's interesting the conversations that I'm having with my customers now are very uncomfortable mm. and I've never had conversations. So when you say, yeah, elaborate. So are they, should they be buying, selling, holding, flipping? Worried about affordability. Yep. Worried that they've gone from 2% mm -hmm. and it keeps going up and up and up. Can we afford? You've got all these families that took that opportunity to, yeah, yeah. to get a bigger home at 2%. Mm. Yeah. You know, and they're, you know, 2% to 5%. It's, mm. they're very uncomfortable conversations where people are constantly worried, mm. very worried. And I've not had that many similar conversations 
And you're yeah. kind of the port of call, right? I'm just yeah. trying to think that, yeah. like, when times get tough, at the coal you face, need to, yeah, yeah, at the, the coal face, yeah, because you yeah. need to refinance. You go, oh, shit, we've got to refinance, mm-hmm. hit the broker up. So you're at the cold face talking to these people that are, I guess, yeah, find themselves in hard times. And yeah. I also say it's the banks as well. Like, we're trying to now, we're, we're going for another loan, mm-hmm. and we're finding it very difficult to, our brokers find it very difficult to get the money from the bank. Absolutely. Yeah. As interest rates go up, yeah. serviceability is mm-hmm. going down. Yeah. With every half a percent interest <clears throat> increase, mm-hmm. your borrowing is going backwards. Yeah. It's tough. And some, what we're finding at the moment is clients want to refinance to get a better deal. They can't service their existing debt and yeah. refinance it to they another lender. They don't stack up That's again, do they? prisoner loans. That's what they call prisoner, prisoner loans. Can't, yeah. can't get out. Can't get out. They don't service. And most people, when they go for a loan, like I imagine on the lower end, you know, when people go in for their first loan and stuff, you generally have to stretch, right? You're generally stretching to get that place that you want to get and you yeah. go that, you know, put your hand up one extra time on oxygen day sort of thing. And it's those people, that, it's, which is the lion's share, the fat side of the market, that it's going to come around and sort of bite in the bum a bit. Absolutely. Which is a concern. Yeah, Good it one. is. And for someone like you, Kath, that is that caring you know, you want to help your clients, not about just the loans and the refinance deals and the numbers and the tick box. It's the caring, the care factor. So I feel like you're probably carrying a little bit around at the moment. Yeah, it is. It's not like it's, caring for people. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's it, it, They're not nice conversations. And I can tell you now, I'll have a lot more in 2023 mm-hmm. when these rates come off. Can we all be wrong though? Because I feel like you know we've been in the property as well for years and years and I feel like no one's ever right. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like whatever we think's happening is not what happens. And mm. I feel like, you know, if we can go back from 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and we go back to the sentiment of all those years and then the actual reality of how they panned out, the pandemic being a perfect example, mm. no one's ever right, man. It's never what we think's happening because of, Interest rates, interest rates, inflation, all these things. I feel like it, it never kind of pans because, out. It's not that simple. All the signs are there, though. The sign, like for my industry, the construction, the signs are there, which will probably then filter into. But maybe, it, maybe it doesn't go as deep as you think. You know, and, be somewhere and, in the middle because then you've got in, yeah, other yeah. signs that the banks come out and go. Seventy percent of their clients are actually in front on their mortgages. International students, you know, man, or like international that. wage wage growth's going up. Unemployment's never been lower. Retail spending's up, so there's room. Immigration in, room in people's budgets, maybe for 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 interest rates to go up and and still withstand that. So no one's got a crystal ball here. We love optimism, boys. <laughs> definitely, definitely not me. Glass is half full over at the fish. Oh, there's different, yeah, different factors, I suppose. It'd be interesting. But even immigration, right? Because there's so many variables and moving parts that to just to to, to hammer a, an assumption or or a forecast to one or two of them would be negligent, right? There's there's other things that are in play that we're not even thinking about that that are probably way more impactful than the things that we are thinking about, you know. And it's proof. And I'm only saying that logically because it's proven that no one's ever right, and the sentiment that everyone thinks is in front of us is never what unfolds. And that's just from an outsider sitting. That's, so hopefully that's it's what makes be right. it fun, Benny. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because my because my thing my thing to you, Kath, would be because you pulled them out the you pulled the kids out the uh, the private school yeah. when you thought it was going to happen through the pandemic. Well, fast forward, the reality is it's now actually happening. So are they coming back out or, or are we did, – did you know what I mean? Because yeah. that yeah. was then when you pulled them out when you mm-hmm. thought it was going to happen mm-hmm. and we're sitting here having a conversation saying, well, it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Well, she's had the best two years of her life in business. So no, they're not coming out. <laughs> been know, stacking no, it. Yeah, I've been stacking my money. <laughs> <laughs> stacking number plates. Putting it in the number plates. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, no, who, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Kath, we've got one more question that we ask for our audience. If someone is out there looking to step off the line, looking to maybe start their brokerage business, um, looking to buy that property, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, what advice would you give some up and comers that are looking to looking to get out amongst it? Okay, so if it's if it's property related and they want to invest and buy property, know your numbers. So mm-hmm. you need to understand your buying capacity. It's the foundation of everything. That's your go to. How much can you borrow? What can you afford? What's your deposit? What can you afford as in purchase price? Um, that's number one. 
If yep. you're wanting to get into business and getting into broking or any business, mm. get a mentor, get a business plan. You know, you one thing my dad taught me, you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. I'm mm. big on mapping everything out you got to have you know goals and uh in business fundamental but get a good good mentor and and map everything out love that good, good mentor would you agree with that Hollywood? 100 oh, yeah like we've just been really knuckling down on that side of our business too mm. where you set your 10-year goal and, and and make it big make it almost unrealistic have your five-year have your three-year have your one year but then have your rocks which are your monthly goals have your little rock goals that mm. can tick off. Well, if they don't scare they- you, they're not big enough. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think, you know, going back to your monthly, that is so important. And that's what we do with our whole team, given we're remote. I keep everyone accountable, like, you know, in, in a nice way. Like, how are we tracking, guys? Screenshotting the results. Are we on track? There's two days left to, to, to hit our targets this month. So, mm. it can be as, you know, like that, or we do 30, 60, 90 days, yeah. six yeah. months. Like break it down so it is achievable, bite size. Mm. Yeah, yeah, love yeah. it. And your monthly ones help your, your year goal, which mm. helps your three-year goal, which helps your five-year goal. Correct. Love it, it love it. Break it down, bite-size bits, boys. Bite-size. Kath, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for <laughs> Keep up the great work and hopefully Armageddon doesn't come and we can – Circle back <laughs> these negative guys. Uh, we'll drop, nah, we're we're negative over we'll drop uh, a link to Parada yes. property by Parada in the um, property in the description. Property before Parada in the uh, in the in the description. Thanks again, Kath. Yeah, legend. Thanks, guys. Please, guys, like, share, subscribe. Anyone who's going to get value out of this one, plenty in that. Let people know. Share See it you at the top. Yeah. Yeah.